welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Nathan Payne, and he is the co-owner of Offer on Homes, his real estate investing company, and Investor Thrive, a coaching company dedicated to helping wholesalers and real estate investors. And so we'll be getting into Nathan's background, what his focus is on, and an interesting term that we're talking about today that will be the first time we're hearing about this and his strategy. So Nathan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Wow. I'm honored. Thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge and your background with us as well. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Nathan, can you share a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate? Of course. Yes. My background is I went to high school. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. After my high school experience, I went on a mission for my church, very religious. I went on a a mission for my church at 19 years old. I went for two years where I talked to people about Jesus and didn't do anything but that. And then I got back from my mission when I was 21, went to college, started college. And as I was going through college, I got into door-to-door sales. I started knocking doors because on my mission, that's what we did. We would talk to people. We'd knock on their doors, ask them if they want to hear a message. And I was already good at that. So I went and knocked doors and talked to people about Dish Network, satellite TV for my job. So did that my first year, did really good as a rookie. Then I just grew in the company, became one of the top sales guys, built teams, invited my friends to come work for me. And it was a very good job. And while I was doing that, I had a buddy, a a roommate of mine that he was into real estate and his dad was a wholesaler in Missouri. He would do lease options. My friend Corey would do lease options and other things. And he, I'd always say, dude, forget that. Come work for me, make good money, knocking doors and we'll have fun. And he's like, nah, you come work with me, do real estate. And I was like, no. So (laughs) after we graduated, I was like, well, what am I going to do? I don't want to knock doors for the rest of my life. I don't want to be a 50 year old man knocking on someone's door. So. I was like, what can I do that will make money and use my skills of chatting, talking with people and enjoying that? And I was like, real estate. So before I even got into real estate, I was like, well, maybe I can get some sales jobs doing medical sales or doing job with like insurance. And I went and interviewed. I did two interviews and I was like, forget this. This sucks because I got in a nice suit. I went interviewed and these guys were looking at me like I was a noob, like I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm like, I was prideful. I'm not as prideful. I still, everybody suffers with pride, but I was like sitting in these interviews and I'm like, these guys don't know who I am, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which is stupid. Right. But I was like, man, I'm sitting in front of these guys. If they knew what I could do, but I wasn't saying that, but they're like, "Mm." and then I didn't get hired obviously. Cause they were like, no, this guy thinks he's all that. So I was like, forget that. I'm going to do my own thing. So I called my buddy who was did real estate while he was in college. And I said, hey, man, uh, what are you doing? Let's, like, I'm trying to find a job. And he's like, I'm doing tech sales. I said, forget your job. Quit it. Let's go into real estate together. I already quit Dish. Let's do it. And he said, okay, let's do it. So we did it. We went into, and that's how I got started. Zero knowledge, but I, with a, a pure belief, strong belief that I could do anything I set my mind to. Was it because you were getting into it with your friend to begin with, or was it about real estate that allowed you to jump in all in? 
I would have to say it was both. He was my friend, so it was an emotional support system. I felt like there was at least he had some knowledge, so I didn't feel very scared. And so it was great to have him as support. We're not business partners anymore because as you level up and you grow, you realize you don't really need to split everything 50-50 and we learned everything we needed from each other. So I got in with him and also I wanted to get into real estate because of the, uh, I felt like that was a good way to wealth, a good path to, to making money. So when you jumped in, what was your focus at that time? Wholesaling. That's what we had zero dollars because we both had wives. This is the good thing. We were both married and our wives both worked. So it was. A, <laughs> I had savings, but it was more of like, there's a safety net, right? Like yes. if we don't make it, we our wives work and we'll be fine. So our wives said, yeah, you can do this, but we're not giving you any money to do anything. And I was like, okay, fine. We'll make our money. So we started with $0 and we're like, well, what can we do to make money with $0? Well, we knew about wholesaling. So we started trying to find deals. Awesome. Yeah. And that that gives you a layer of security. So at least you know that your basic needs are already met and that you can go focus on just putting your full efforts without having to worry where the other income is coming from because you know at least you have shelter, food, and all that stuff, the basic necessities. Exactly. And I'm, I've am i always been a very frugal person. I grew up, my parents were frugal. We'd always be shopping and buying in bulk. I love Costco for that reason. Uh, Kirkland Signature. Who doesn't? <laughs> exactly. That's like my favorite. Like one of my goals would be to just make so much money. I don't ever need to think about money and I can just go hang out at Costco and be the <laughs> card reader. It just, yes, I would have a job, but just I'm there because I enjoy it. I have a good I would time. Be, I would be passing out the food or like the snacks or yeah. Yes, the sample lady. My the mom sample actually, lady. Yeah, my mom actually worked at Costco and they have great benefits. Mm-hmm. She was the sample lady and she would sing. She would, She's a little Hispanic lady. She's like five feet tall. She would just sing and about bread or whatever she was giving out. And she was like the top sample lady in the state of Utah. She was crushing it. So oh my she, gosh. She loved it. I don't know. It's just in the blood. It's in the pain blood. We just love Costco a lot. So anyway. And so Nathan, you start off with zero dollars zero knowledge about real estate. How did you get started with wholesaling? What did you do to start building it up? So it was like, I don't know what to do, but I do know how to knock. So let's go knock some doors. And we went knocking and we go to people's random neighborhoods that we felt like they needed work, like distressed neighborhoods. And we'd knock on the door and we'd say, hey, I didn't want to say, hey, I want to buy your house because I felt like that'd be weird. So I'd say, I'd knock and I'd say, hey, I work for a buyer that's looking to buy some homes in the area. We're wondering if you're open to selling. That's it. And if people would say yes, and we'd go and talk to them more. Hey, can I step inside? And people are like, what are you coming in my house for? And I'd be like, well, I, I want to take a look at the house if I'm going to buy it. And it, it was kind of awkward because I didn't know what I was doing. But we eventually found one of our first deals that was like a $19,000 deal from knocking doors. This guy opens the door. He's like, I think my, I'm not the owner, he said, but my grandma is, she's not here, but I think she wants to sell. He said, well, can I have her number? I'll call her. So then I set up an appointment and then we went through this long process. It took us a while to close, but yeah, it works. I mean, everything works if you open your mouth. So when you went door knocking, Mm -hmm. how did you go in with the approach without having money or overcoming that obstacle? What was the plan if somebody had said, yeah, I do want to sell this property. And so what were you guys thinking would happen afterward? We didn't think that far ahead. We were like, hey, we <laughs> just, just, just got to find deal? a deal. Yes. That's kind of what they teach, right? They say, go find a deal and you'll find a buyer. So we're like, okay, we'll find a deal. And that's all we did. And then when it came to finding the buyer, then we were in trouble on a lot of our deals. <laughs> 
So but, did uh, that's how we learned. Yeah. Okay. So you went in with the intent to find the deal and then the buyer will come. Yes. So did you end up losing any of the deals that way? Luckily, we were so new that whenever we made an offer that got accepted, we was so low that we could find a buyer for any of our deals because we were just shooting so low. And we probably lost out on a lot of deals because we were terrible at negotiating. We were just like, hey, this is our offer. Take it. We're on buying another house tomorrow. Like that's how we thought real estate was like hard nose negotiating. Like if you don't make a decision now, but I've learned through time, that's not at all what you do. And I don't even think you should go and find a deal first. I think that's the wrong thing. I did everything exactly the opposite of what I teach now. So my question is, when you were door knocking and you're making offers on -hmm. these deals, how did you evaluate the property and what kind of offers were you making to them? So we wouldn't necessarily make an offer like right on the doorstep or like we would find out why they were selling, like kind of take it through somewhat of a sales process. Like we had some scripts and stuff and we would do the generic 70% of Zillow or ARV if we found that out, minus repairs, minus your wholesale fee. So we weren't completely lost, but we wouldn't really get into making an offer until we found someone that was like, yes, I want to sell. And that was hard to find by door knocking. Man, how many doors can you knock efficiently like in a day without being tired? Maybe like a hundred. So it's not the most efficient way to do it. Like if I were to do it again, I would just knock pre-foreclosures or a specific motivated list, but we just went to a random neighborhood. So you would knock on a hundred doors a day? Yeah. So at first we were knocking and then second, we're like, not a lot of people are answering. We might as well just leave a note. So we would have handwritten notes that would say, hey, you want to sell? And then we'd leave the note. We'd knock. If no one answered, we'd leave the note. Eventually, we just started handing out flyers. We tried everything. Yeah. So 100 and potentially more. It just depended on the day and how we were feeling. <laughs> so after doing all of this hard work, walking the streets, knocking on doors, putting notes in mailboxes in their front doors... What have you learned and how has that changed the strategy of how you approach wholesaling today? Well, I learned that anyone can get, anyone can do a deal. Anyone. Like if you put in hard work, you'll get a deal. That's what I learned, right? But that doesn't mean it's the most efficient way to get a deal. So I was taught or the way I learned how to get deals from door to door and in the beginning was like, just go find an opportunity, right? Prospect. But now like what I know is like, you don't just go prospect. You don't even know who you're trying to find. So now I reverse engineer the process to what I call painless wholesaling because it's very pain. It's painless compared to the way I did, which was very painful. Like I was knocking, it was hot. It sucked. And as soon as I got money, I tried to hire it out. I hired people to go knock for me. I hired it. Like, so it's not like I enjoyed that process of doing it. So I don't do that anymore. If you're like, hey, Nate, you want to go knock? I'm like, no, not at all. I don't want to go knock. I'd rather strategically find a deal for a buyer that I have and spend less time. A majority of the deals I do take me a couple hours and I make 10, 15, 20,000, 30,000, whatever on a couple hours. And I know a lot of your listeners are like part-time. I do my job part-time. My full-time job is Investor Thrive where I teach people how to do it. My part-time job is real estate where I do two to three deals a month with zero to no marketing spend in limited time. So once you changed the strategy, how did it expedite or how did it improve your business overall? And the second part of that question is, how did you start finding the buyers first? 
Yeah, great question. So the first answer, how did it help my business? Well, I had a business that was trying to prospect. It had acquisitions managers, leads managers, or spending marketing dollars. We had the whole system and we were trying to get deals like that. So that took a lot of effort, right? It took a lot of team. It took a lot of employees and I was making money. But since I changed the way I did business and I'm like, hey, let me just have relationships and find deals for these people. It's just me and a couple virtual assistants. I don't have to pay all these people to work for me. I don't have all this overhead. When I get a deal that's like $20,000, I pretty much get $20,000. But when before, if I did a deal, it was $20,000. I would have to pay 15% out to an acquisition guy, 10% out to dispositions, leads managers, virtual assistants. It was, and by the time I got the money, I was like, yo, this isn't a lot of money. I want more. So that's what it's helped me in my business. I do less deals, but I make more and it takes less of my time. So that's answer your first question. It's just easier and I make more. And then I'm sorry, what was the second one? The second question was, how do you find your buyers now? Great, great. So there's a lot of softwares and services out there that let you find out what flippers have flipped the property and sold one. So that's one of my favorite strategies using batch leads or privy. I find my buyers in a specific area where I'm looking for a deal. I'll just say, hey, I've noticed that you flipped a house on 123 Street. Are you still looking for deals in that area? And if so, I would like to work with you if you're open to that. So you can see active buyers on software services. Another way I do is I have relationships with title companies. I say, hey, who's buying? Hard money lenders as well. I also run a monthly meetup and a lot of people are buying there. So I connect there. So there's so many different ways, but those are the top ways that I find buyers. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about. Serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So at what point in your business did you start making traction and you started seeing the results of the efforts that you're putting in? Hmm. With the painless wholesaling method where I did the reverse strategy or just in general, like when did I start seeing results? In general. Okay. Well, we started seeing results, getting deals three to five months into doing deals, like working in the job because... We got our first deal. It took us three months to get our first deal. But then after that, we did like five or six other ones consecutively after because we were consistently calling, knocking, flyering, texting. So we were doing marketing activities. So that's when we started seeing results like five or six months after. So for your coaching, do you primarily work with newer investors or seasoned investors? I work with both, but the goal would be to work with new investors or people that have jobs that would do this part-time. And I would show them how to do this on the side because most programs or coaching programs that they'll teach you how to do it, but almost like a full-blown business. Like, hey, you got to 
you hire a team, you got to do this. And it takes quite a bit of time. So if you have a full-time job, it's going to be pretty difficult to juggle both. So my goal is to like teach people who aren't ready to leave, don't want to leave their job, aren't ready to leave it yet, or just want something to do on the side. So that's kind of like where my niche is. What do you think is, especially when you're starting out on a new endeavor, whether it be part-time or full-time or whatever like that, sometimes you think you need to set up more than you really do, especially in the beginning part. What are some of the essential things that you actually need to get set up to start doing this, the painless wholesaling that you're talking about? And what are some of the excess activities that you've seen that people actually don't need? Well, you only need a phone. That's it. If you want to get started, you need to pick up your cell phone and make some calls. A lot of people want to get their LLC ready. They want to do all this stuff that's easy, but it does not translate to deals. Like what translates to deals is offers. If you make an offer every day for this year, 365 days, you're going to get a deal. That's just what's going to happen. But the thing is people want, well, you know, I don't know how to talk to agents or I don't know how to talk to sellers. So I'm going to set up a mail campaign. It's like, well, you don't need to do that. So that's what you need is a phone and you need to take action. And what I see is people trying to do everything else, but avoid the action. They're all trying to avoid the action. of like what it takes because they don't want to do it. I know because I talk to people who have been like, I've been trying to get a deal for two years. And I'm like, well, how many calls have you made in the last five months? And they're like, not a lot. It's like, well, there's your problem. You're not talking to anyone that has a house for sale. So you have a phone. Who do you call first? Or how do you look for who to call first? So in my program, what I would say, if you're willing to spend $100 a month, you can get batch leads. Okay, that's the only software service I think you need to start or you can get privy. Those are two, they're like a hundred bucks a month. You can find out immediately who's buying and you can call those people and reference the deals that they flip and say, hey, look, I work in this area. If I bring you a deal of a house similar to what you flipped, would you buy it for me? Can I wholesale it to you? There you go. That's the first thing. Find out who's buying and what they want. Then ask them, okay, where I'm going to go look for you specifically. Where would you like me to look? So then... Now you know where to go, where you have a buyer, you can start looking whether you want to start cold calling, you want to drive for dollars and pull a list, you can look on the MLS and make offers. The strategy I teach are MLS because it's free. Other wholesalers, you can get on wholesalers lists and when they submit properties to sell, you can make offers in behalf of your buyer and drive for dollars. Those are three strategies that are very inexpensive and you can get deals that way. That's how I get deals among other things. But yeah, that's what I would say. What is typically one of the biggest pitfalls you see newer wholesalers get into? Mm -hmm. Again, I don't think they're consistent. I think they don't take the action that's required. This is a... People get into wholesaling because they think it's like passive or they think it's like a nice, like cool way to do real estate. It's like, look, wholesaling is not cool. (laughs) It's not easy. It's not passive. It's the most active income you can do. You got to work. You got to get deals. It's cool because you can learn a strategy and make money with $0. Like that's great, but it's not like, oh, I can just sit on the beach and it's all going to work out. Like maybe eventually if you build an amazing team, but the problem is these people get into and they don't understand like it's time to get to work. It's not like you can leave your day job and go come into wholesaling and think, yeah, this is way better. Uh, No, it's going to be just as much work, maybe even more because you're running your own business. 
So you find the buyers, you figure out what the buyers are looking for, then you go research and you start to deep dive into the markets where your buyers are looking for deals. 100%. Because before what I did, I didn't have buyers, so I would knock a neighborhood. I don't know if anyone is even cares about that neighborhood. What if I found a deal and they're like, I try to find a buyer and it's like the worst neighborhood in Salt Lake and no one buys there. I just wasted all my time. And then this happens all the time. There's a lot of wholesalers that will go out and get a deal and then they'll find out they won't be able to sell it. And then they find out, well, it's because that area that you're working in is just not a desired area. It's not a good location. So when you start with the end in mind, which a lot of books talk about starting with the end in mind, you're going to be more successful than if you just go out and try and get lucky. So Nathan, what is your next focus? Ooh, that's a great question. Like in real estate? Yes. My goal is to teach people how to do it the right way. I think a majority like me are taught how to do get into real estate the wrong way. Now I'm only referring to wholesaling. Like I'm not talking about getting into commercial or self-storage. I don't know what they teach, but I know in wholesaling, like predominantly it's like, go find a deal, go spend money on marketing negotiate, and then bring it to buyer. My goal is to change that. So Nathan, how has real estate investing impacted your life? Oh man, these are great questions. Uh, (laughs) I think it's made me confident in my ability to work with bigger, bigger transactions. I mean, I was doing Dish Network, which was like, what, like $500. Now I'm dealing with like hundreds of thousands of dollars. It makes me realize that like, I'm pretty much can do anything I want. Like I don't have to get stay in wholesaling. I can go into commercial. I can go into big things, sell whatever I want, but it's helped me realize I have potential to do whatever I put my mind to. And if there was one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? I wish I knew how much effort it took because when I first started, I would make some calls and be like, wow, I'm not seeing results. And I see the same thing from a lot of people. They're like, I'm on this call with Jerry Norton. I helped Jerry Norton with some of his calls. And one guy was in his program for like two weeks. And he's like, anybody else not got a deal yet? I've been in this program for two weeks and I haven't got a deal. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't say that to him, but I'm like, this guy doesn't know. And I didn't know either, but it takes... It takes like five, usually like if you go by KPIs, making five offers a day consistently every day for like 30 days, you'll get one to two deals. That's what it takes to get a written offer out presented. It takes, it's not that fast. You have to call, you have to verify. It can take a couple hours to make one offer. So I think people just don't understand what it takes to the action. And I wish I would have known that. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media, what's being put out there, high expectations instead of what's actually reality and instant gratification of results. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like with my social media, I do a lot of social media. I record myself doing everything. I try to keep it as real as possible. Like I just lost $26,000 on a seller finance deal that went wrong. Like I set it up. I thought I did everything right. The seller did something funky. It went sideways. I'm telling people that not because I'm an idiot. Like I did everything that I thought would work, but it's not all roses. Like it's not all rainbows. Like there's stuff that happens. And if you get into this and you don't know what you're doing or you don't have a mentor or someone can help you, you could lose a lot of money. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate? I think it's who you know or who knows you. That's when I started leveling up and getting in, like doing bigger deals, doing more deals and being more successful is when I started getting around the right people. A hundred percent. It's who you know, it's your network. 
Awesome. Nathan, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Investorthrive.com is where you can reach me. It has all the my contact info, all my stuff. You can join our program. We have an academy, which is like an at-home study. You can do everything on your own. It's super inexpensive. Or if you want to work with me one-on-one, I have a mentorship. So those are the two things that we have. You can try it on your own or you can work with me, but you can get it all on Investor Thrive. I have a YouTube channel as well. It's Nathan Payne. Luckily, I'm the top Nathan Payne on YouTube. So if you see me on the top, it'll be me. And that's pretty much it. Go to my website or go to YouTube. Awesome. Nathan, thank you so much for sharing all these different strategies and learning about the painless way to wholesale. Oh, yes. Thank you for having (laughs) me on here. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.